So, Greg, um, you know, I was a lifelong communist. I was born with Mal's little red book in my hand. I was shaking it at my mother and the bourgeois doctors that she had deliver me <laughs> on the way out. Uh, I was uh, rocking uh, Stalin facial hair in high school. Uh, not the old Stalin facial hair, but the really cool, sexy Stalin facial hair when he was like 20 years old, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Red to my core. And then... Including that facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> and then today, I got to admit, um, I got shook. I got shook. I, everybody has a moment in their life where they question their religious faith, their religious devotion to uh, a cause. And it happened to me today when I opened up Twitter and I saw this tweet. Um, it says from Ashley Lynch says, tankies all day have been able. Oh, Jesus Christ. I forget that right in Twitter writes like a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it says. Tankies have been unable all day to answer me why in their proposed world devoid of markets and ownership that anyone would spend their time working on someone else's film for nothing in return. And Greg, I got to tell you, I've been I've been trying to justify this all day. I've been you can see, Greg, my copies of Capitals Volume One, Two and Three are just scattered across the floor here. I you know, I've been taking notes. I've been scribbling on the walls. And you know what? I think she's right. I got to hang it up. Uh, nobody would work on a film for free. Ooh. Has she heard about capitalism? Does she know about Hollywood or Bollywood? Uh, yeah, I have definitely worked on people's films for free. So I've also more, much more often, I haven't done a lot of that, but much more often worked for uh, astonishingly low pay. I've even exploited some workers myself in my time. <laughs> okay. Greg canceled second time this week. Um no, lots of people are working for free out there. That's what an intern is like, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, they uh, some interns sued. Uh, is it Paramount like 10 years ago over Black mm -hmm. Swan because uh, they worked for free the whole movie? And then, yeah, uh, and, you know, yeah, they they won their lawsuit, I think. And it scared, you know, the big studios into like being much more careful about their internship programs. It's not like they don't still have them. Um, well, that and sometimes you get all the way through filming a movie and the producer who's like supposed to be securing financing and stuff doesn't, you know, get the money well, and can't pay anybody and goes on a downward spiral until they have to declare bankruptcy. Okay, I've worked on one of those too. <laughs> um, Christian pastor, filmmaker, Skip Moody, Skip Town, uh, having shot for three days with a whole crew of people uh, like 10 years ago. Well, um, but 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 to be fair that you're talking about like, um, so, you know, this exogenous like factor, like a natural disaster that comes in. But there was still the expectation, the employee who took the job in that case, me and everyone, a bunch of other people had the expectation that they were working for compensation, a uh, very mm. low compensation. But you know. Yeah, it sucks to have the expectation of getting paid and then at the last minute uh, not get paid because it turns out they don't have any money. Look, uh, it, particularly if you're like young, it's really hard to do that. You know, it's really hard on you. But the funny part is, in this tweet, 
the fuck up they made was that they should have said what everybody says, which is like, who's going to collect the garbage when you're not paying them? Yeah. The funny part was they chose an industry where literally people already work for free all the time. Yeah. And if it weren't for unions forcing the fucking industry to pay most people, uh, a lot more people would probably work for free yeah. within it. Like it'd yeah. probably like 80% unpaid if the unions like forced them. Right. Listen, as bad as the big studios there are that again, like I said, they were routinely not paying people and got sued over it over black Swan and have maybe cleaned it up a little um, the whole independent film uh, economy is one where uh, like thousands of people a year invest money, uh, small time amounts of money into making independent films, sometimes their own, sometimes other people's. They're run on insanely small budgets that scrimp on everything, not paying people or paying them like sub minimum wage for the fucking exposure and experience of working telling you that this film's going to blow up and then which at that point in the economics of it you're essentially asking like it's a speculative business right these movies like they're like oh they might make money they won't probably most of them people do this they'll be like look man you know we just need some really great people to come out and work with us like a family like doing this piece of art you know because it's gonna we think it's really great it's gonna blow up you're asking your employees to be investors essentially in a movie um, with their time expecting a payoff sometimes included in that in contractually is like literally payment down the road like either you work for free or for like against sub minimum wage and you but you'll get paid up some fraction of a point tiny mm-hmm. fraction of a point on the back end if it makes like x amount of money um and nobody ever sees that because 99 percent of the independent films made globally and in america uh, never see the light of day or never seen by anyone. And the studios get to just pick the good ones that manage to be made for no money uh, and come out on top and actually be good. They get to see them at Sundance or Tribeca and uh, pick a few and those people get paid and the money gets made back. And maybe, maybe the the crew that worked for sub-minimum wage um gets a thousand bucks in the mail or something but no it's a whole fucking scam that's capitalism you're talking about lady (laughs) once again trying to dunk on socialism just discovers capitalism welcome to mechanical freak we're broadcasting live from inside a stately Magnolian mansion somewhere in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> that city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today. Where we've just managed to retrieve our Bluetooth speaker and shoes as a child wails in abject horror from the back of the car. Oh no. Jesus oh, Christ, no. Colin. Well, welcome to the show. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Munya, Brian, Greg, uh, myself, Colin are here. Um, you know, I did just want to say, Greg, it was very interesting to hear about those dynamics because that is pretty similar to how tech startups work. Yeah, you yeah, are but, yeah. Uh, being paid in equity a lot well, of times. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you bring that up, Colin, because like in America, increasingly, this is all occupations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, there was uh, somebody. People are going to be working for free to collect the garbage, you know, on internships yeah. at, at some point. To have been so lucky to have been selected among the elect few who will get, you know, 
will have a still precarious job they can be fired from at any moment. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you do your first your do your first uh, five hours of trash pickup free on the the trash app. Trash pickup is going to be an app. Holy shit! <laughs> You're just going to do it on uh, on a gig basis. You know, yeah, everyone signs up for the app, and then people come around in their personal cars that they mm-hmm. have like put like a tarp in the fold the seats down and back and put a tarp in and they're going to get like 35 cents a pickup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody had posted on Twitter. I mean, one of these people who you got, uh, got a lot of interaction in the last couple of weeks. I posted this thing on Twitter about, uh, you know, that they had, you know, some sort of job that they really wanted, but they're, I think it's their kid, actually. Their kid had some sort of job they really wanted. But anyways, the, the employer had asked him to come work a day for free as part of a you know a working interview. And they're like, they really want the job, but like, should they do this? And it's one of those things where it just had a shit ton of replies. And a lot of people in the replies were like, oh, yeah, if like, you want the job, you should like working interviews. Like, uh, that sucks, but that's just part of the working world and all this kind of shit. And that is something that maybe... Texas was just a different place or something, but at least in my work experience, fucking unheard. If somebody asked to do that, tell them to eat a dick. I'd be like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. Like, yeah, fucking come in and work for free. Are you fucking kidding me? But a lot of people seem to think it's normal. I mean, it's being normalized apparently day by day. What a, so. what a fucked up concept. I mean, sorry, like, if the, imp- like, it's what, yeah, working interview is fine, but you have to pay for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the training too. Like people will come in and yeah, like the training period, they'll try and 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 screw you on that. Uh, yeah, it's fucked up. Um, you know, like Colin was saying, I think in tech, I think this is becoming a thing. I think it's becoming a thing everywhere. If if you hire someone and they really suck, they like break your your tools. They like fuck up someone's order. Their whole day is like a is like it's like you hired fucking Jerry Lewis just like <laughs> slipping and sliding around your shop like Mop bucket stuck up. on their foot yeah like another bucket stuck you on still their have head. to pay that person sorry like yeah. and you go on with your search sorry but yeah. you took up their time for your fucking business fuck you yeah yeah well that and what happened to like uh, hey you negotiated with them about pay like you're on the hook for that now well also but the question of like well should you do the working interview in this field that you really want to get into like a really great job you want I mean no Brian and I would say no tell that person to go fuck themselves but no. but think about who who you're talking to like I mean Brian at least Brian has made something of himself um, you know I'm but, on this podcast <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but like because I, you know, I guess he pursued, you know, uh, avenues that, like, you know, those kind of things weren't asked of him. And B, I am basically a popper and have no career, <laughs> no future. I am uh, like so. Th- the answer may actually be to this kid, like, yes, do the one fucking oh. day if if it's going to land you this really good job, like just the way it is right for fucking ivy league kids to come out you know of college and take and do fucking unpaid though no those internships are paid yeah, yeah it is probably right. not a the worst idea if you can to do these unpaid internships in your field desired field the problem with them is that that weeds out people who can't afford to do it yeah um Right. But like it doesn't mean they're stupid to do if you can they're just horrible and you should be able to like uh 
do like vigilante justice when it is requested uh, of you. Yeah, that would be the better world. That'd be a communist vision of the, of the future. Okay. Like when someone asks you to do that, you get to like take the law into your own hands. Um, but no, but that's not the world we live in. Again, this is capitalism. So well, call it a moon. You guys are tech workers. I mean, is, is yeah. like what, what, what's your take? Should you, should this person's uh, kid do it? Let's say they were getting some tech job. Should they take it? Should they do the unpaid interview? <laughs> I don't think you should do an unpaid interview. I should say that I've actually had to do this in the past, but I have been paid for that work. So, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, a, a, an interview working interview day, yeah, but, exactly. but yeah, yeah. you were paid for it. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's pretty shady. And if you're in tech, you should be able to find somebody that's going to compensate you in some way to do that. So, Look yeah. Elsewhere. Okay. So that's a, that's a different element of this. I'm just so mm-hmm. jaded about like the state of of working and capitalism in America that I heard this and went, "Oh yeah, I'm sure that's that must be very common, a common thing people have to do." <laughs> but if it's actually a sign of a of a shady, shifty employer who then who you don't want to work for, then maybe you're wrong about this job being very desirable. But I think the thing in tech that I was trying to get at is that specifically with startups, they when they're in very early stages and they don't have money, they basically will have you work for free where you get percentage points like you were talking about, Greg, yeah. on some future sale or earnings that So you're essentially n- investing yes, your time. Yeah. Ninety percent of the time will not pan out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I mean the goal the goal is to have those that equity liquid. And there's also even to get into more nitty-gritty stuff, there's also the problem of dilution too, because they can give you like if you're like, you know, let's say like the tenth employee and they give you, let's say, like one percent of the company, right? Um, and let's say that they have a hundred shares, so they give you one share. But if they raise then like two hundred like 20,000 shares um, that dilutes your share because it's, instead of it be, you still have one share, but instead of yeah. there being a hundred shares, now there's, you know, 20,100 shares. And so yeah. like that, that means that now you own like a significantly less of the company and each time yeah. like they raise money, right? Like, unless you are like, you get like the new shares that are issued um, your stake gets diluted too. So, like, even if you do go public, sometimes it's misleading as well. But um, you know, and you can make a crap ton of money if, like, you know, you join Airbnb or Uber very early. But like, you know, mm-hmm. how many of those actually happen is usually is usually startups that will fold after you yeah, know in most their cases C or their Series A. It's not even like dilution that's fucking you it's that that the shit you're working for never makes any fucking money or yeah. valuation well, it's, it's like a right. it's like a gambler's fucking mindset of you see the wins and not the losses right so see the yeah and like and, and the, the goal sometimes lost. yeah and sometimes the goal is to just like get acquired you know and so like um but sometimes like acquisitions happen where um now i remember this one in 2015 where uh this company i think it was valued at over a billion dollars um but um, when they got acquired, uh, the valuation was significantly lower than what they were raising at. And um, 
the preferred shares, which is the shares that um, executives and, you know, early stage investors had, the preferred shares went down like maybe 15%, but the common shares, which is like what everyone else held, uh, went mm-hmm. down like 95%. Fuck, and, yeah. you know, like uh, some employees like threw their chairs out of the window and shit. Like it was like really, <laughs> really controversial because like there was still a huge payout for the preferred shareholders, but yeah. like common shares like went to the tank from that acquisition. So even yeah, acquisition classic. sometimes could end up bad. Yeah, like basically everybody got fucked, you know, so that the preferred shareholders could... Like, right. They basically just got robbed, basically. Right. Yeah. 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 Essentially. Yeah. 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 I mean, crazy. It, look, uh, clearly the system works. Uh, I look forward to more schemes and scams to get people to essentially work for free in the future. Hey, what could go wrong? America has a great history of getting people to work for free, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Well, yeah. Um, but there's been much to celebrate recently uh one of our favorite presidents just had a birthday did you hear about this uh, yeah george w bush uh my personal favorite president nothing uh, but oh. respect for my president <laughs> no it wasn't george bush was it colin no it wasn't it was barack hussein obama obama obungler <laughs> Well, you see, when he uh, swore in in 2008, uh, his ham was on the Bible, but he's actually a secret Muslim. Was, so yeah. therefore, he was never actually president, Colin. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, he was that, actually no. putting it on the Quran, but they had to wrap the the uh, the Bible hardcover over it to, you know, just the covering of a hardcover of the Bible to make it look like it. But he really swore on the Quran. Mm-hmm. I must have missed those pictures on the subreddit. <laughs> that was zoom my favorite really post two thousand eight insane. Yeah, <laughs> post two thousand eight. My favorite uh, Obama conspiracy theory was that it was essentially like a, a, a sovereign citizen thing of like, oh, he did X <laughs> wrong uh, when he swore, in. so he's actually not president. I was like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, cool. You just keep telling yourself that. And the funny part was in two thousand sixteen, Democrats did the exact same thing with Trump. <laughs> yep, they were like, they're like, uh. His uh, hand, one of his thumb was off the Bible. Therefore, he's uh, constitutionally not president. He was doing the like, Star Trek sign when he raised his hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like whatever <laughs> keeps you warm at night. You fucking idiot. That'd be based. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love those kind of things. It's like incantations, where it's just like, yeah, totally. Uh, and once we all realize it, uh, we'll just realize it's all been a nightmare. It's all going to go away. Well, you know, he'll be declared a tyrant and all his acts and uh, appropriations and appointments will be declared null and void as if they never happened. Just like um, uh, that's ancient Roman law. You know, imagine being an American and looking at that and being like, yeah, that's that's going to happen. Like knowing everything you know about American politics and something like, yeah, that that will happen. Definitely. (laughs) I'd say actually, um, I think like even when. Uh, Caesar was assassinated in the Senate by Chuck Schumer, (laughs) by, you know, (laughs) Brutus and Cassius and whoever else. uh, They thanks for clarifying that it was ultimately never legally declared him a tyrant. They just did a deal with all the parties so everyone could keep their offices and like shit could just keep going on. normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like so they didn't have to undo the, the fantasy that people have of like Trump's going to get impeached and we're going to undo all the stuff he did. It won't be valid or like even there's going to be an election and like 
yeah. of course Biden has done it. It goes all the way back. They yeah. they 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 killed Caesar as a tyrant, and then they were just like, yeah, let's just pretend it never happened. Yeah, it's almost like there's a class interest involved. Yeah. Well, what's uh, what's uh, what's all what's all B what's all B oh, <laughs> I don't know what's 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 old Obama up to, Colin? Well. <laughs> He was planning this big birthday bash because he's turning 60. Um, and it was going to be on Martha's Vineyard, of course. Had a huge, cool. huge guest list. I saw some tweets saying he was agonizing over the cuts he had to make. People oh. like Larry David didn't make the cut. Now, <laughs> um, Well, from the original, there was an original very large guest list. And then it was sent out, right? Yeah. And then they started cutting it because of like people were saying like, wait a minute, why this are you rich gauche? people having this big party yeah. during COVID? Yeah, that's pretty fucking funny. So then it was reported that the party was canceled in a few places. Mm-hmm. Um, you had found some tweets, Brian. Yeah, so it had initially been reported as canceled. And the funny part was just people's response to it was so fucking funny uh like <laughs> like here, here's one of it I, I, this one was just like very typical of what you saw but it was uh keep in mind these aren't like blue checks or anything this is just idiots on twitter this is like if i fucking tweeted mm-hmm. this and first off they at barack obama so that, so that obama oh, yeah. will definitely see the already tweet. off to oh, a yeah. great start yeah it's like at barack obama has canceled his birthday bash which included a set from pearl jam and will instead. By the way, isn't would Bruce Springsteen be upset about that? And the, the boys, he just he doesn't want to perform at Barack's he party. To, he he's hang. he's he a guest. To, yeah, he wants to yeah. hang. You're, you're right, Greg. I'm Come sorry. on. So uh, no, you know, like he'd reluctantly like be asked like. Eddie would like reluctantly song. like yeah. ask him to come up and sing a song. You know, he'd be like, "Oh no, no, that's like, oh, oh, all right." And they do a whole thing. <laughs> Obama would go up and rock. Like, uh, he would be uh, with little Stevie Van Zant. You know, uh-huh. he'd grab a guitar <laughs> and again. Uh, so, anyways, uh, include a set from Pearl Jam and will instead host a smaller family affair due to the Delta variant of COVID nineteen. It's such a respectable decision. I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm so happy. What the this fuck? Goes Excuse on. me? What? That's a real human being? Yeah, this goes on and <laughs> on. I mean, there's so, many, there's so many. I mean, look, I, can, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm so happy. I guess what we're supposed to read into this is like, do you remember the orange asshole who would who was such a, uh, you know, such a boorish, uh, you know, prick that he would never cancel his own birthday party because of COVID. My God is an awesome guy. He did, did, um, (laughs) you know, institute a, uh, an eviction ban that lasted the whole entire rest of his presidency, but whatever. I don't know that he had any big birthday parties, at least not while president. I mean, he had like someone put a candle in a fillet of fish for him and he was happy. (laughs) Yeah. He had had all the football players come visit him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the funny thing was, is that, there's so many tweets that are just like this. I just chose this one because I just thought it was like it was the perfect exemplar of all of them. There's a lot more that have a lot of misspellings, and whatever. But the point being is these are very normal people, just regular Joes who are talking about a man who's worth upwards of a hundred million dollars and basically just saying, I, I'm I'm so happy, Barack. Thank you for making this decision. It's made my life great. What the fuck is wrong with this country? That, What's wrong with people? This There's is all we have is politics. Yeah. And- 
what also strikes me about this too is I think like weirdly this type of phenomenon reminds me of when Floyd Mayweather who retired came back to boxing to do like the celebrity boxing matches. And like, that was like the big pay-per-view thing. And it's like this guy who is way past his prime, who essentially like retired from professional boxing is still the main event of this whole um, industry of this whole sport. And, you know, Biden is supposed to be getting this type of play right from these like weird stands like you know elevating him but i think this is an admission just kind of like booking floyd mayweather for all of these things is an admission that like there is nothing that is replacing floyd and there's nothing that's replacing barack and the alternatives are just really not even good enough and they just have to keep on playing up this same person who I mean, frankly, just like mm-hmm. is like getting like wrong for its utility. I think it's it's actually pretty damning for Democrats, for like random people uh, to still stand Obama when he hasn't been president for, you know, since 2016. Right. Like for like half a decade now. And yeah. this is the person who is still like um, commanding this type of these type of like kind of like psycho tweets um and you know fandom and we're just not seeing Mm. that from even the curtain not even for like um the vp or president biden so i just find that kind of fascinating so if i'm hearing you right munya it sounds like biden is the crystal obama to obama's (laughs) uh pepsi (laughs) essentially yeah uh, Well, I mean, people did this with Bill Clinton for years afterwards. I guess Obama's taken that space. But I mean, could anybody imagine? I mean, one could imagine Joe Biden living too much past his ultimate eight years as president. Uh, But like, is Obama the last one? (laughs) I guess that uh, people could be able to have uh, for the Democrats, possibly. I mean, at least he'll keep being. People love that man. It is like it's it's unbelievable, inexplainable. Um, I mean, I think it's explainable. It's oh, very stupid. It. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's very stupid. It's very superficial. But like, uh, yeah, no, most presidents don't get this. Most presidents are more marginal figures, like generally, or they're hated. You know, I mean, or they just kind of yeah, fade into obscurity, or like they just don't yeah, command exactly. the same type of like you know um, praise from just like normal people who will just like and aren't necessarily know, touchstones. Yeah, right, right. Like, I mean, way past, like, going like forward. you know. Yeah, because, like, Trump's out of office and we have a Democrat in office again. Like, that should be the cue for, you know, a normal president who's not Obama. Probably you wouldn't really hear much buzz even about the party that he's throwing, you know. Like, that's just. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot of press coverage on Obama's party and also people are commenting on it and still like, kind of making the same comments that you'd see as if like he was a counter to Trump or like if Trump was still in office or if he was just president in general, but these are not like two, two presidents removed and still kind of commanding that same level. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me play something for you guys. So we talked about the, the normies on Twitter, but here, this is um, the white house correspondent for the New York times on CNN. And there's a very short clip. I'm just going to play it for you guys real quick. People said, you know, this is really being overblown. 
they're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And, and this is just about optics. It's not about safety. All right. Annie Carney, thanks so much. Uh, we'll see how. A sophisticated vaccinated crowd. Well, so, and what you guys missed too is the grin on her face is so <laughs> huge during this. I mean, she is loving this. This but is yeah, no ahead. Afghan wedding. <laughs> oh, 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 Jesus! Brutal. Oof. These oh people my God. have the vaccine. They're not going to go to a hospital. Anytime soon. <laughs> Barack Obama was like, yeah, if I was trying to kill everyone at this party, uh, like I'm, you know, I know a, a quicker way to do it than coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> fuck, man. That is fucking dark, Colin. Thank you for that. Yeah, um, <laughs> do you think if at his at his birthday party, they grabbed the mic and did any drone strike jokes? You remember how he like, joked about drone, drone striking the Jonas Brothers? Do you think he like made a <laughs> oh, joke? Yeah. About, like, yeah. like, I got drones inbound for this party right now. I, I love that this, like, of course it's fucking optics. You know what doesn't yeah, yeah. help the optics? The man's you life pointing is that out. You know, like, <laughs> but, like, yes, this is a bunch of billionaires uh, and a, a mega millionaire ex-president. We're getting together like rich people are doing, and they're all faxed. And I guess because they're sophisticated, they're they've decided that they are immune to the vaccine. That is basically true. Even if they get it at this point, especially if you're vaccinated, you have the money to have it have no. Yeah. You're gonna get the fucking fancy antivirals that are. Well, you're getting the real vaccine that's made out of like children. Uh, yeah, made out of children. <laughs> you know, so yeah. What, what um, this reminds me of too, though, is like you know. Way back then, like, you know, hundreds of years ago, um, doctors didn't wash their hands because they believed that, you know, they're they're doctors. They don't need to do the things that the commerce, you know, did. And that's why there were so many like and so they would just like use their bare hands to like, you know, like deliver babies and stuff. And like there were obviously a lot of different like birth defects or problems. And, um, you know, that's why the mortality rate. Well, one of the reasons why mortality mm. rate was pretty high for birth was like you know like it was like a gentleman would never wash their hands because their hands are already clean to begin yeah. with. Yeah, amazing. You know? Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, America like desperately wants an aristocracy, yeah. like yeah. like an official one. Like they definitely want to be like the, to be dukes, and they want yeah. to have a. They want Barack Obama to be QE two and yeah. like have like a diamond jubilee. Like for a birthday, you know, where it's a big like state affair with fireworks and, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I used to always laugh. Like I remember when the uh, whatever the fucking English prince was that got married recently. Uh, the one that got married in London. Harry. Or and there was, yeah. And there was all the like freaks in England that like were all excited and went to watch. And I was like, what a sick fucking country. But we have all those same sickos here. That's the, that's the reality. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like embarrassing that England has an official monarchy, but I mean, mm. like culturally speaking, like, the, our, fan, our, our fandom of power is like fucking crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, we're damn close, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, right there. We can still dunk on them for really like not while well, still having a monarchy in 2021. I mean, like we do have that, mm-hmm. but we can't it really go much further than that. Yeah. Well, the funny part about this too was simultaneously in this week where Barack Obama was, had to trim down his party. First, I mean, it had set, reportedly over 700 guests originally. 
Then I mean, it was reported that it was going to be a party. That's like a county fair. It was reported that it was going to be. <laughs> no, some of his closest friends. It was reported then that it was going to be canceled. And then, of course, he just like had the party. Well, that is uh, canceling it. So can- like several hundred and so 700 or something yeah. like that. I, guess. I mean, the, the big party was canceled. Then it was replaced with a new party. That was a gathering of his closest yeah, 200 yeah. friends. And they apparently. Also- sustainably uh, biked in to the vineyard. The party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as, yeah, from as across the, the country. Colin had found a tweet about how Stephen Colbert flew his own jet <laughs> into the thing. And I was like, where does this money come from? How does Stephen Colbert have a private jet? He's, fucking, he's a network late night host. I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. He's getting, he's walking away uh, with like, you know, millions every year. Disgusting. Uh, but so the same week when you that, say flew, he said it like he flew. Is he one of these guys? Did he get rich and get a no, 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 no. Okay. He was a pass. That would be really funny. He can't fuck the kids and fly the plane, Greg. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so. The, at the exact same time, all this was going on. Valley Jarrett had this tweet. You know, I'll just read it. My dear friend at Barack Obama. Again, like, I mean, he's probably is listening. You're about to say, I'm okay with not being invited to your smaller party. No, it's really good. You made the right decision. you, sir. That's, oh my God. I wouldn't invite me either. That's what that woman on CNN was actually talking about. The White House correspondent was at, the big smile was, I was on the list for 700 and I really am this is a really smart th- thing they're doing optically and for safety. And I think it's good. I'm not mad. Don't tell the newspapers. I'm, I'm mad, mad yeah. that I didn't get an invite to the short list. This is uh, actually Barack funny Obama to me. party. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, funny. I just realized I'm laughing. that. Holy shit. <laughs> it's like, uh, is it, uh, the, you know, Louis, the sun King who like everybody could det- tell like how close to power they were by just how physically close they could get to him. So if you could wipe his ass, like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you were like really up there, yeah. you know, and Obama's the same way. So it's like rungs on the list. And well, you need stuff like, like okay, I'm ass a different wiper, rock. ass wiping yeah. privileges just to signal to people. Otherwise, how would you know who is close to power? Exactly. You know, you have to invent these things and it's the same thing. That's the useful, that's the useful splendor. Mm. of a uh that's another louis the 14th reference um uh to uh uh of a party like this is to be like look these are the 700 people who uh get to come wipe my ass yeah so by the way if he had stood in the middle of the room with his pants down and said who wants to wipe my ass it would have been a line (laughs) anyways so valley jerry says my dear friend at barack obama is turning 60 tomorrow for his birthday gift, I'm asking you to chip in $6 or $60 to help us bring the Obama Presidential Center to life in Chicago. And it was just such a funny, all the things coming together of being a year plus into this disastrous COVID response in America that's just like genocided the poor, uh, on the verge of like massive evictions. Everybody's totally fucked economically. Uh, Obama's throwing a giant party for Pearl Jam and the rest of his friends. <laughs> and is also apparently sending his friends out hat in hand to be like, uh, could you please give us money for this gentrification project on the south side of Chicago? Yeah, it's for a guy who has $100 million, but he'd kind of prefer if you paid for it. <laughs> we really live in a GoFundMe-ass empire, bro. Yeah. This shit sucks. <laughs> 
true. It's yeah, so well, true. I mean, if you can the, get someone else to pay for it, then why wouldn't you? Yeah, of in, course. Invite probably said, in lieu of adrenochrome, please donate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but I mean, dude, it's the legacy. That's what the, yeah. the presidential center, the libraries are well, about. You, like, of course. The, have you seen the design for it, too? No. No, no. Psycho. No. We're all Googling right now. Oh, no. Yeah, I like that we're all like currently Googling. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like some kind of uh, Holy like shit, 22nd Wait, century like, ossuary. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, this is like um, uh, the city of the dead. This is like, <laughs> exactly. uh, what the fuck is this? No, it looks this like, is like, like it looks like a kind of building the necromongers would build in Chronicles <laughs> of Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the charnel house. Be- yeah, people, if you're listening to this and you've not looked, uh, please, by all means, uh, Google Obama library design and look at this thing. And then please donate because we got to make this thing happen. <laughs> we got to make this happen. I've, I've totally flipped on the donation thing here. We're sending all of all our patrons money to this. Actually, we have access to our patrons' credit cards when they become <laughs> patrons. So you'll be donating yeah, a little extra as well. This literally looks in. like... Uh, Hamanoptera from from the mummy, the yeah. dead, yeah. but in the color palette of the uh, and style of the Getty Center. But it is like yeah, an yeah. ancient necropolis with like obelisks and like a sunken city, like Hamanoptera. Mm. Holy shit! I mean, you know, I mean, it looks kind of cool, actually. Yeah, that is that is incredible. But listen, this is like this is like you know a cliche of like beltway like late presidential term reporting is like that they're like obsessed with the legacy you know oh the le- what's gonna be the legacy of my presidency and all they really mean is like can i pull off having like a lasting positive impression on any number of people in america and like obama's one of the only ones insanely who with a big portion is gonna have like this very lasting thing and yeah you gotta cap that with a presidential library i mean i hear on the top floor they're gonna put the birth certificate up there (laughs) (laughs) i mean it has like this weird writing going down the side and i say kudos to obama for getting like you know some arabic quran passages on the side of your building (laughs) but um the, the grand irony is the president who oh there's the hot dog vendor (laughs) the president who i I wish that it was arabic quran shit because like when you zoom in it literally is like in the gentrification font of like those like no, new yeah, shitty yeah. buildings that they have. And it says, you are America. Um, oh, my fucking God. It's like the shit my sister has. It's inspirational. It's an inspirational sign. Oh, Me my for God. Every country there. Literally, it's like a for for the listeners. It's a big like section, like in the upper right hand like corners, like two corners of this cube. Uh, it's like essentially like engraved in the gentrification font saying like these kind of like inspirational things um, in lieu of just like this like big like box. And so it says like you are America, blah, blah, blah. And then it like kind of goes into the other side of the cube um, and has like these like really, really long sentences um, in like Helvetica. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird that he's going to hire worse. the Cenobites to uh, lead the tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, I mean, the crazy thing is, is that this man who will never be unloved in this country 
again, oversaw the, the greatest destruction of black wealth in American history since the collapse of the Reconstruction Bank is literally putting this in the south side of Chicago to break up and gentrify one of the last like major city black neighborhoods in America yeah. <laughs> and will still go down as like everybody's favorite president. Like, you know, 50 years from now, people will still be like, yeah, number one at the top. Yeah. Like, what did he do? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really what funny. Obama has done for, you know, black people in America has been like objectively devastating, you know, like looking past the symbolism, which is like, you know, somewhat meaningful on a symbolic level that there is a black president in America, especially mm-hmm. with our history. But I mean, materially, um, like you said, Brian, I mean, like black wealth completely plummeted. And that was not just happenstance. That just wasn't just because like, oh, Obama was there, but that would have happened with any president. That was a deliberate choice that he made when he had, you know, a supermajority to, you know, push through, um, you know, essentially have have the Fed at his fingertips um, to make policy decisions to up black wealth, he actually accelerated this, like, you know, neoliberal or to at least prevent idea, like right? a, a catastrophic collapse. He could have intervened just evicting he, and foreclosing yeah, on it. Right. He could have intervened on evictions. He could have intervened on essentially just like how the banks got bailed out. He could have just bailed out uh, people in debt, too, or in, in yeah. um, mortgage debt. He could have just paid off those mortgages. Right. Or canceled them. Yeah. I mean, um, they'd be done anything that wasn't complete bullshit like the. um Holder era uh, consent decrees um, to actually prevent, you know, cops from killing black people in America. Well, done anything. But the thing is about the the bailouts. I mean, I remember at the time even telling people like, why not bail out the banks by just paying everybody's mortgage? Right. Just wipe the like you don't have to you don't even have to transfer any wealth at that point. You just literally wipe the mortgages off of everybody's sheet. Right. That puts banks out of the red in theory. And um you know, uh, would, you know, reinvigorate the economy by giving everybody a house. Something that actually would have been like this, you know, boon to, you know, not just the black community, but just people in general. And uh, no, he did make that very specific choice because apparently, you know, according to like Matt Taibbi's recording of the you know, journalism from there and stuff like that, uh, the book he wrote about that time, like they literally discussed that, laughed at the option and then just said, just JK, everybody. So anyways, how are we going to give the banks more money? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so they, they very specifically made the choice not to help people and to fuck people over. And I mean, that's that's a pretty astonishing thing for a beloved uh, you know, national figure to have done <laughs> and nobody to have a problem with. But I don't know. Right. I, mean, I mean, like essentially set up the economy that we have today coming out of a like the rubble, like the Phoenix coming out of the ashes of this like horrific recession has been like the most like aggressive wealth consolidation and like, you know, highest like inequality that this country really has seen. I mean, for a very long time. So, it, I mean, mm-hmm. like that just uh, and that only happened in the span of like, you know, 10 years or so um, from the recession. Uh, you yeah, know. I mean, he really like put us in the new Gilded Age, essentially. Right. Um, and it's just interesting that there's no pushback. But I mean, I think perception and reality have just completely separated at this point, right? Like, there's just no nothing anybody does has any impact on anything. Yeah. Right? Well, the perception uh, has become the reality, and, the rea- and yeah. actual material reality has just like you know, it, it might as well not even be there to begin with. It's the purview of the cranks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought these like Obama stories kind of coming together. It was it was a big week for Obama, and I just 
found these stories to they say something about America that's all bad, you know, and I guess I don't have the uh, if I, you know, if I had the words to properly spell it all out, I feel like it would just open some portal to hell. And yeah, we'd be the Cenobites would be chasing us through a maze right now. <laughs> Welcome to the Obama Center. We have such sights to show you. Um, the I wonder if he is trying to do like because like presidential libraries basically I mean they start out as just like a place to be a depo- repository of all the the literature that mm-hmm. is archived, um, and then they turn into like these like interactive museums of the presidency. The, the Kennedy one's the first one that became like a whole big spectacle. If you go to like the LBJ mm-hmm. library, it looks like shit. It's yeah. like a total fucking whatever. But like yeah. Uh, Kennedy did it. Nixon had obviously a small one, but then of course, like Reagan and Bush and et cetera, all had to fucking blow shit out. Yeah. And he's definitely blowing shit out with this to the point where I wonder if like, and calling it the Obama sent presidential center rather than just library implying that maybe it's going to be about like more than just like, it's going to, I wouldn't be, it looks like he's trying to do the Getty center in Chicago. He's trying to do the Kennedy center. Yeah, yeah. He's rebuilding Both. the Kennedy fucking archive, Kennedy Center shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... It's, it's going to be sick, though, when you can go in there and do a Beer Summit VR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you can be the be third seat at the, yeah. at the mm-hmm. patio table. You're no, here. the fourth seat, the fourth seat. You're here it's with the seat. cop that falsely arrested <laughs> you because of your race. What what beer do you order? <laughs> like, no, no, no. You get to choose. You get to choose your player. Are you can, yeah. good old Uncle Joe? Are you, um, you know, Barack, who's really just there to hang and observe? Uh, <laughs> are you Barack who keeps getting your name wrong? <laughs> are you um, uh, Louis Gates? That's his name, right? Yeah, yeah, Henry Louis Gates. Henry Louis Gates. Yeah, yeah. Are you Henry Louis Gates? Uh, who's yeah been wronged, or are you the cop? Yeah, are you are you uh, Sergeant Stacy Coons kicked out of the LAPD for uh, you know injustices you uh, did to commit <laughs> sent to Boston? <laughs> oh, incredible! Yeah. That shit rocked. Man. It is kind of funny to juxtapose this uh, plan center library uh, with Trump's last I heard non-existent library no this is this is what i wanted to ask do you guys think trump builds a library no he said he won't that as far no, as i know greatest president i know of it owns our lifetime the man, oh my god i knew he was gonna do King. someone was like so this is what presidents do it's part of the legacy you need someone to where to put, place all this stuff it's putting your mark on a landscape somewhere in a concrete way that people can visit go fuck yourself i don't care the presidential I blockbuster nah, I that's what i want to get nah, from him nah. I, he he he's the greatest. Oh my god! Uh, I'd vote for him for a third term. Yeah, like he, you know, sometimes it's hard to be mad at the guy because that shit is funny as that hell. is so. Just like no, because like that one, it's it's very funny. It's very funny that he's just like no, I don't care. What? I'm not the president anymore. Why would I care? Oh. They already stole it from me. But like what? What I love about that is like that is the president you would if you that is the president you would want. I get the appeal of someone mm-hmm. who would go in there. That's what, you know, Bernie Sanders would not have been at all. But you would want him to be is mm. or anyone you would actually want to vote for for president is someone who's going to go in there and tell people about all the fucking fiddly nonsense of American public life and the presidency and the fucking rules and just tell them 
what? And just look at them like they're stupid and then fire them and get someone else to do something that was actually good, you know? <laughs> like, that's what you would want. Now, of course, that wasn't Donald Trump. But that first part, looking at someone like they're stupid and then firing them, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Donald Trump can do that. Uh, oh, well. Well, you know, uh, 2016 wasn't the only election we had. Uh, yeah, big news here in Seattle. We have primary, oh, right, yeah. guys? An election here. Woo. Yeah, so um, let me see here. Uh, the So this is, it's Monday. Obviously, election was last week, but mm-hmm. like, you know, the drops keep coming. And uh, the drop today. Beautiful. Is, I had it up. I had it up. Okay, so. The freaks did good. Let's see how our endorsement uh, slate did. Uh, Okay, up first, District 9. We did a whole episode talking (laughs) about uh, Sarah Nelson, the uh, the other (laughs) uh, candidates in the race. (laughs) And as of right now, and this does seem to be like the last of the big drops, it's probably not going to change dramatically from here. Of course, like in all these mail-in elections here and a lot of places, and certainly Seattle, like the results on the night, tend to be like you know within five to ten points to the f- to the right of where they're going to end up that tends to be your most conservative drop as yeah I have. yeah so because you know all your uh all your tankies out there like you know wake up at 3 p.m on election day and debate whether they're going to vote at all and <laughs> then you know maybe reluctantly five hours drop of our it podcast in the mailbox to, to vote for. uh in which case it doesn't even get there to be counted for a week and so <laughs> Um, driving the mailbox without a stamp as Greg always advocates. Yeah. yeah. No, that's on your taxes. They, they, yeah, they yeah. took the place for the stamp off the envelope oh, for nice. the, uh, yeah, don't ballots. put a stamp on there. <laughs> Brian's like, Oh, I don't actually vote. So I wouldn't I told know. You, I, I had to register to vote to vote for Bernie in the primary. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I still am holding it. I'm still holding it against him. I've, I've written him letters. Yeah, seriously. Okay. So, you, <laughs> Nikita Oliver, uh, just over 40% Let's in a go. race with like seven or so people in it. Uh, three candidates people took seriously. 40% beating, uh, it had just crossed with this drop over um, Sarah Nelson, the uh, Fremont Brewing Seattle Times endorsed small business cretin who is uh ju- at just under 40 percent mm-hmm. so this this is an off year you know small turnout primary though apparently larger than a normal year a normal one of these like turnout last year unexpectedly high so if i'm getting this right and honestly i don't know if i am um because like it's so i uh when you just see the numbers like quoted it's hard to always know for sure what they're talking about but um, and I'm not going to like go to like King County elections and try to decipher their fucking grids of shit. <laughs> but um, it seems like they usually expect and they expected this year around something like 25 percent of eligible voters in King County and got something closer to 40. Um, which is interesting because like what you know, what we've been saying, what I've been saying about this election uh cycle here is that this is a city election the first city election to follow a year that was a banner fucking year for paying attention to your city politics because of the uprisings um this is like where people were talking about policy in a mass scale on a local level 
to where they're no knew the name of their mayor and their fucking uh city council oh. people and the, the fucking police chief and the police union also, into different everywhere where people were seriously saying to fund the police with actual like proposals of how to do it beyond just even slogans and marching and, around the city driving certain types of people crazy with their you know somehow uh, that drove antics. the electorate to the left Curious. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, this turned out to be actually uh, popular because Nikita Oliver, the not just an abolitionist candidate, but literally, I would say the most important leader locally of the defund uh, of, you know, an abolition movement in Seattle, uh, as you know, when we talked about their campaign on the District 9 episode that we did mention, I think the very key fact that the most cogent, concrete, thought out uh, and serious demands, very good demands, the defund SPD by 50% uh, demands were, you know, came from Nikita and the people around them, the organizers around them. And those were the first most serious uh, demands to be dropped on a city anywhere in the country, I think, in my opinion, and came very early and were very organized. And Nikita was already a leader in this space for many, many years. And they are, they were absolutely a leader. Um, I, I think one of the key leaders uh, of a, what was a very, you know, dispersed movement, it must be said, but one of the key points of leadership last year. And they seem now poised to parlay that and their previous work as a leader and organizer on abolition and, uh, uh, criminal punishment reform and just, uh, you know, living in a city uh, uh, into a seat on the city council. Like, um, I think that seems very possible at this time. Like, it's it's something very doable here. I mean, we we said that before, but um, coming out on top, coming out ahead in the primary could could pick up another point yet and have a full uh, point separate point or two separating them with. The Seattle Times endorsed Sarah Nelson, uh, who, you know, again, if you heard the episode, you know, sucks. I mean, yeah, yeah Sarah Nelson. Awful. Candidate. Also, you know, nobody likes Sarah Nelson or ever has or ever will. Um, yeah. Really unsettling lose. interactions from a lot of people, like a lot of people. I mean, someone straight up said, like, um, I think on my like my mom's like Facebook comments was like, yeah, I've had interactions with Sarah Nelson in the past and like they were straight up unsettling and I will never vote for this person. Like just on like those experiences Dude, with her alone and those are like consistent. Just in fucking interviews, like yeah. just just a very strange person and obviously like someone who is out for blood the blood of the poor and yeah. that's what they're gonna running on and they're about. They are She's an academic and a fucking like, you know, Seattle progressive uh, another, environmentalist hippie. Another political science major. Yeah. Like, you know, so because of that, knows how to use the language of, you know, the Seattle progressive to be like, no, I, I'm not calling for a genocide of the poor and marginalized. But like that, that is, you know, uh, she's not very good at it. And yeah, yeah the thing, the way she talks about um the homelessness issue and anything else are really chilling and horrifying and, and she sucks. So that's going to be on the ballot. You know, we've seen the taste of it now, but like, this is that election that is, you know, the, the referendum on last year. Like what is yep. the popularity of literally defunding the police by 50%? Well, 
it got 40%. That and the rest of, you know, Nikita's platform and sort of history and um, sort of legitimacy in this town got 40% in a, mm. in a, in a broad field primary. Well, God. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think what's really significant too is that, um, Nikita is actually coming out with an outright win in the primary, which like on the left, we yeah. just really haven't, you know, seen. And that's like, I think that really is a huge statement because, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like, Oh, we need like, you know, coalition building or whatever, like an outright win really shows that these candidates like Nikita um, are viable. And you're going to be hearing a lot of talk, especially from, you know, the establishment about, oh, I really like what they're doing, but are they really viable? Can they go up against these right wing ghouls? Like, I don't know if we're ready for that, but I think that the coming in first in a primary, in a competitive primary like this, I mean, really, I mean, that's a statement that um, it's you know, huge. Like we are. It's huge. It's, and we're here to stay. And um, you don't need any sort of like triangulating or viability because this is the viable and frankly only option if we really care about uh, what we're talking about. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and that result, I mean, it's very heartening. And, you know, if you've watched these kind of elections in the past, you're thinking like, damn, the key is going to kill it. But I do say uh, we shouldn't rest on our laurels no, on no, any no, of no. these. Make sure no that you way. continue to steal old people's ballots, fill them out for them, and turn them in. Make sure that guy freaks keep the voter fraud operation coming. All right. Point is, go knock doors, go do all the things that you need to do. Don't take it for granted. But it's extremely positive. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is good. It means it is possible to do this. Like there, the Seattle Times, the Chamber, a uh, you know, fucking chuds from Bellevue. Everyone's going to put a bunch of money and time into beating Nikita Oliver uh, and putting Sarah Nelson in there. And, you know, that's going to take an enormous effort to overcome. But this shows that that is a worthy effort to put in. Yeah. And I'll yep. be up back out there on the street knocking doors. Okay, yep, next it's up. It's going to be all hands on deck. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> um, next up, the mayor's race, the ma- you know, to replace Jenny Durkin. Okay, mm-hmm. so this was also, and as we know, an enormous field. It's like thirty-five fucking people running. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mused on Twitter the other day. I asked the question, like, "Can Lorena Gonzalez do this? Can she even get through this primary?" I, I asked the question, like, "Is it possible that because this has been this big year for, um, caring about your?" you know, local politics. Like, is it possible that because largely like there's the whole like reactionary homeowner set who is thinks SPD has been defunded and that there's why there's this huge crime spike and they're really pissed off at the city council and they associate them as having done that defunding and they're all basically Shamas want. And on the other hand, like I don't have any particular love for Lorena Gonzalez. I, you know, I think she's been all over the place on, on cops, you know, since that's the issue we're talking about voted for this bog contract and basically shrugged afterwards. Like, I don't know. And, uh, also again, hasn't defunded the police. (laughs) Didn't do that. (laughs) Um, and you know, and I, and I asked the question, like, is it possible that 
in this time when people are paying attention, she's essentially running as an incumbent, as the incumbent president of the council. Is this a year where like that doesn't help you at all because like everyone's against you and wants something new and different and fresh? Um, is it possible that that just hollows out that that isn't enough that that the vote that obviously everyone knew Bruce Harrell was going to get through because he's you know running supposedly t- to the right of most of the other candidates with any recognition or or interest behind them, and so is going to collect a lot of those votes. Whereas everyone, a lot of other people like Lorena Gonzalez were theoretically, the story went going to split up the progressive vote. And some of those polls looked close between Lorena Gonzalez and, uh, Colleen Echo Hawk. Colleen, Colleen Echo Hawk. Um, and some other people, uh, Je- Jessen Farrell, is that her name? Yeah. yeah Jessen Farrell. Jessen Farrell ran the funniest fucking campaign. We didn't talk about this race because the mayor's race was just so fucking boring. And we're going to get to talk about Bruce Harrell anyway. Uh, in approach to the general in a, in a month or something. But like Jess and Farrell, let's just take a moment. She was running on this. She kept everywhere she went, every interview, every forum. She would talk about how she's pushing her ST3 for housing. And I just got it. Like either this is like a completely brain dead idiot or someone who's actually just running for like the, the political class, like to think she's like, you know, got a hot future and can like run for something else. Maybe. I don't know. Cause like, think about like what, what species of nerd do you have to be to even get the reference to ST three? Like ST three was a, an initiative that was run to third, pay for no, it's Seattle times three, third generation of Blevins. Star Trek, three, the search for Spock. <laughs> um, yeah, Spock's Katra is trapped in McCoy's head. That's mm-hmm. his soul because he died in the last one. Anyway, um, yeah, we do a local no, politics a, podcast and have for years. I don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah, ST3 to. was an initiative that was run to pay for the next big expansion. It was a big years long process of planning that then got funded by initiative to to do a big expansion to sound transit sound transit phase three. It was this mm-hmm. years long fucking process of planning for a decade and then funding by uh, initiative and probably other means too. actually like, I don't know uh, from the state. And then in with, you know, from the city, from the County sounds and, like brilliant messaging must've impressed literally fives of people. Right. Like some reporters, the Seattle times uh, ed board, like some people in Olympia, maybe it's like, and she was, she would always talk about this. Do you remember ST three? We're going to do ST three for housing. And it's like, what the fuck kind of message is that? That is the, uh, literally the most brain dead thing I've I think I've ever seen in a local election, and uh, that was the, as much time as we're going to spend making fun of it. So yeah. now I hedged. I said, "Look, I said like the conventional wisdom may also be true. There's probably is actually a yeah, middle look. that is going to come up and just sort of and get her look, through there." Like Greg is slowly building towards us. He got owned online again. He tried to he tried to both sides it, but we all know what happened. Greg. I don't know. I, know I was happened. I was asking the question like, is it because po- that's what's oh, interesting. Greg about, was just asking. I was questions. just asking questions. <laughs> listen, listen, he God was it, he Brian. was banging on the door of the elections committee, <laughs> saying, "Let me in, a mayor oh, of no, podcast no. city." It was an in, it's an interesting question to me. I was trying to make sense of like, what does this like this year mean, and how does it work? Because it seems so polarized. Is it really true that like? Everyone hates the council and this is going to be a bad year for incumbents or, you know, anyway, I wouldn't, I'll be honest. I would not have been surprised if it was like, oh my gosh, uh, 
Lorena Gonzalez is behind, you know, somebody else, maybe Colleen Echohawk, uh, by a half a point or something and doesn't make it through. Ultimately, that really didn't happen. Uh, now, um, no one really thought this was going to happen. Like, actually, is almost caught up now. Is It's 32% Gonzalez, 34 Harrell. Um, so he, again, everyone expected him to come out ahead because, like, no one's really seriously running against him. There's some other, like, corporatist candidates in there, but they weren't, they didn't really campaign. No one knows who they are or cares. Like Casey Sixkiller, Lance Randall. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so he took all that and so is now within two points of him. So second place, um, and well, well ahead of everyone else. Um, Kelly yeah. got like 8% or something. So the, the, the field did not splinter. Everyone basically, uh, picked the winner, I think. So basically the point is, is that, uh, sometimes it really is just the two biggest names. Yeah. Well, but that brings us to a race for an obscure office called city attorney. And in the same thread where Brian is suggesting I got owned, cause he likes that. He, he would like to see that happen. He <laughs> likes it when I get owned. He loves it. Um, if you want to see Greg get owned, listen to Minion Death Cold. Okay, we'll, we'll plug that later. Uh, I mean, I asked the same thing of, of Pete Holmes. Is it possible that being the incumbent here is just no good because the, the C- Seattle Times has turned against Pete Holmes and there's no reason anyone you know considers themselves like a defund progressive is into it. So is there a big enough middle that gives a shit that is going to go with Pete Holmes? Folks, no, there's not. No, there isn't. The absolute <laughs> coolest and funniest outcome of the city attorney's primary yeah. has come to pass. Friend of the show, Nicole Thomas Kennedy. Endorsed by Mechanical Freak. Endorsed by Mechanical Freak. Shown on our website. If you want to know more about Nicole Thomas Kennedy, you probably already do because you probably already listened to the episode where she came to the boat and talked all about you know how she's not going to prosecute misdemeanors and shit how <laughs> and, she would not also, prosecute this podcast she tried crimes. a lacola didn't like it but <laughs> we didn't hold that against her um i mean not for the endorsement i do personally hold it against her um as i do all of you uh so now literally surging ahead in the late votes just over 36 percent with the republican psycho Endorsed by the Times, mm. uh, perennial loser, and Davison, uh, yeah, third-rate third uh, Sarah Nelson, <laughs> yeah, uh, an actual Republican, um, ran for lieutenant governor as a Republican recently, has run for council before, um, thirty, uh, almost thirty-three percent, so more than three points ahead right now, could grow even wider, and Pete Holmes just has fallen away. And I conceded. Think this, he literally conceded yeah. too. Yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah. He like, conceded it and then blamed it on his dog having cancer or something. It was really bizarre. But well, I mean, for him, like, he what does he care? He didn't even want to do this anymore. Like, yeah, I, I, I think had he gotten any like more like forewarning that people were actually going to run against him, yeah, I think he might have just not. Both run. of these were last minute campaigns just before the filing date. Um, listen, so this is great. Uh, uh, I, I think, Thomas Kennedy's cool. Wants to run a. An ab a, 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 mm. an explicitly abolitionist city attorney's office. Lots of cool things to talk about there. And she does in the interview we did a key thing that could end up now making this like literally a bit of a national story 
um, which I wonder if she is ready for, uh, is that she is saying part of her platform is saying she is going to essentially stop prosecuting all misdemeanors. Now, I'm sure the reality is there's probably some fine print in there and yada, yada, yada. But basically, she's saying that to campaign is basically misdemeanors uh, are largely exist as uh, taxes and oppression on poor people and uh, should be done away with. And that is going to this is going to be a fucking wild campaign. Like the editorials are going to be, this is like just fucking yeah. Chef's kiss kiss for the podcast. Like for the podcast between the way the insane shit that the Republican is going to be saying in public in forums. Imagine watching the fucking, this is, this is a dream. I'm watching a serious sort of thoughtful, uh, public defender who's running, you know, for a prosecutor's office on explicitly abolitionist platform in a forum with an insane Republican loser. Yeah. yeah. Like just a crazy eyed, like foaming at the like, mouth, like an like, Applebee's franchise owner. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, you know, up yeah. There losing their mind. Yeah. And I, I think it's safe to say this is the biggest surprise of the prime. The most shocking thing to happen in the primary is yeah. for it to, to, to kill it like that. Like we are all, we we're all rooting for her, but I did not see that coming. <laughs> good on seattle yeah Yeah, make it as happy for a change like a you know i did i did predict it on that thread so i'm just saying you know you can't own me on that brian um so yeah that's that's uh that's the big stuff yeah so elections so again you know uh no no all this looks very good looks very good for ntk although shit's about to get real fucking yeah. nuts shit's so about don't, to get nuts also don't think it's be for any other office now at this point you know in seattle right nobody runs as a republican they all have there's plenty of conservative corporatist fucking halls out there but they run as democrats and because you can't you know people imagine you can't get elected as a fucking republican uh, Ann Davidson ran as a Democrat, you know, fucking years ago for city council or insinuating yeah. that she was and then literally changed her registration to run for a mm. uh, or like announced that she's a Republican to run for a party to, you know, ballot. Well, this is the classic urban rule thing. When you're urban, you yeah. claim to be a Democrat. Yeah. When you want rural votes. You claim and it's all bullshit. Right. But now we know like it's, you know, Ann Davidson was run has run as a Republican, is a Republican psycho. <laughs> So the so a lot of people might be thinking, well, this person could not get elected in this town. Well, and you know, on the NTK episode, I actually said Ann Davidson couldn't win a primary in Issaquah, much less Seattle. This is something you know I got owned on, but that was based on what we said in the episode, the fact that when we recorded that, the Times had endorsed for all the other city races and not for city attorney. So I assumed they were just declining to endorse, in which case she i do absolutely do not believe she would have gotten through no no um one. because who nobody knows who she is or cares and she's just a republican psycho but they wrote this big thing like pleading with people this endorsement they decided like to come out of their cave into the light and like actually pull the mask off and endorse a republican rather than pete holmes who they can because they've just been shitting on him for years and so that's the difference and so got through the primary, which I think would have been the hard thing to do. Now, it'd be easy to say, like, uh, you know, because our primary is a big field. It's like there's there's other corporate there's usually other corporate Democrats, people like Pete Holmes, like 
your establishment, but, you know, surface level progressive, see, perfect Seattle fucking candidate for this office is Pete Holmes. OK, that's why he's won uh, so many times before. But now in the general, what you got to understand is that um, historically, Democrats haven't minded electing Republican psychos for prosecutor, especially when uh, fears about crime are up, when people think like there's crime waves going on lately in cities like Seattle, like the Democratic Party's been on like a 30 year program of running their own people for prosecutor, their own tough on crime Democrats for prosecutor to then get promoted up to run for higher office. And so you don't see it as much um, in cities like Seattle, but it's still very much in the realm of possibility. If you know, the, uh, the crime narrative keeps get getting ratcheted yeah. up, you're going to have this tough on crime candidate who's like, well, yeah, she's a Republican, but you know what? It's a technocratic office. It's its job is literally just to prosecute crimes. And one candidate is saying they will. And one candidate is saying they won't. And, Never mind that we're just talking about misdemeanors. But I mean, honestly, that's what people are upset about here. It's, it, yeah. it ain't the murders. People well, are upset about the shoplifting. Well, I think the thing is, is that uh, people were, I think, taken by surprise by NTK. It won't be the same in the general. Yeah. And I expect some world class hysterics from the Seattle Times. And literally and national news like this. Yeah. This story will make national so, news. Not only is it a Republican running in Seattle, yeah. that's kind of. You know, nobody's going to care about that or report it, but it'll it'll all be about NTK. But that's all crimes legal. The purge is going to happen yep. in Seattle. Yep. That, yeah, that, it's going to be a lightning lead. rod on yeah. the right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They had Dave, and Davidson will never be mentioned in any of these the stories. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that's what I mean. It's like this is all very good. and It looks great, you know, here. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of time between now and the general. So. Uh, hey, if you want a prosecutor that doesn't send people to jail for walking into Goodwill, um, you know, I don't know. Go fucking knock on some doors for uh, NTK. All right. Yeah. Get out there. Get out there, freaks. Yeah. <laughs> Off to a good start. But yeah, definitely get back out there. OK, now it's time to talk about me getting owned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on uh, Minion Death Cult this week, actually just yesterday, um, and it's it uh, it's out now. New episode of Minion Death Cult, one of our favorite podcasts. Um, awesome show about like uh, basically it's about Facebook, I guess is what yeah, it's yeah. about. Uh, you know, just following along with uh, old boomers and other weird, you know, right wing types and what's going on out there from our friends, Alexander and Tony, and they do a great show. I was on it. We talked about a horrifying story that Colin alluded to in the intro, which uh, thankfully precluded us from talking about it on the show. That is to say a a person was murdered. um, And uh, because the person who was murdered was unhoused and the person who did the murder was, uh, you know, uh, an upstanding, you know, uh, citizen who could pay for their housing uh, and enti- the entire fucking force of law enforcement, prosecution and uh, media in this town uh, stepped up to make sure uh, it was uh, witnesses to the murder who were arrested and charged and the uh, 
uh, murderer is walking free. That that's really cool. Um, so yeah, this article in the event that you guys read is like some straight out of like Der Sturmer shit. It's it's one of the most disgusting local news articles I think I've ever read. Yeah, it's so. nauseating. The whole thing's really gross. So, we talked about some funnier stuff too, though. And yeah, to open the show in true podcaster fashion, I was absolutely mercilessly owned for. Yeah. Yeah, admittedly, a take that makes me uh, look like a fucking chump um, that I had when Alexander was on the show. There are extenuating circumstances that also make me sound stupid, so I won't bother to repeat them here. But no, I was I, I did get mercilessly owned. If you'd like to hear that, something that never happens on this show mm. um, or online. So, so uh, yeah, so if you want to know like what your parents are getting on about, you know, what they're complaining about, all that kind of stuff. Check out Minion Death Cult and uh, definitely listen to Greg's interview, which was great. I listened to it today. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Alexander and Tony are super cool and it's a great show and, and I think it's a good episode too. Yeah. And if you are a patron right now, you might have noticed that you had a, a little drop in your in your uh, the stork drop delivered a little present to you on Sunday, which is the latest episode of Texas Sucks about Sundown Town. I listened to it today. Let's so, go. Yeah, and so if you are not a patron, I don't know. What are you fucking doing, man? Look at these treats that all the wonderful patrons are getting. They got a treat on Sunday. They got a treat last week, you know? Treats aplenty. Yeah, all right? real so treat. Become Hearing a patron. Sundown Towns. Yeah, become a little, become a little treat boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love my podcast treats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And we have a few patrons to thank as well. Carl, Brandon, and Colin. Thank you. I, I only assume that Colin is, or maybe Cologne. I don't know. I'm going to say Colin because I, I want to believe it's a joke on Colin. I want to be. believe that too. Guys, we did it. We kept Munya awake back in Let's New York. Go Red Eye Flight. Big Apple. Literally in bed with his laptop and mic. On his side, on a pillow right now, eyes open. That's how you podcast. He actually astral projected because, as we learned, you're an operating Thetan now, right? That's yeah, I'm yeah. an operating Thetan, and you yeah. know, that gave me some special special abilities that I didn't have before. So oh, yeah, yeah, this is the power of Dianetics. So everybody, look, we have a lot of suggestions this episode. Continue your voter fraud campaign. Continue getting out and knocking on doors, right? You know, stay excited about, you know, Nikita and TK, right? Uh, go listen to Minion Death Cult. Go listen to Become a Patron and get all your treats. But most importantly, check out Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard. It'll change your life, guys. Abandon your terrestrial yeah, life <laughs> and head go to, to see. Go to L.A. Go to see LA. it for yourself. Step one. Step one. Yeah. Go to L.A. <laughs> get the vibes. You, you know? <laughs> be energetically aligned and get your vibes right. <laughs> Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I think that's good enough to, for the night. Night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Night. Night.